This episode contains conversations about anxiety, depression, self-harm, abuse, and suicidal ideations. These conversations and relative language choices may be triggering for some listeners. Please proceed with caution and care. If you are experiencing emotional distress or suicidal or suspect someone else is, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Welcome back to the Futures Green Podcast. Today, we are joined by brain researcher and entrepreneur, Cody Isabel. Cody is the CEO of Rewrite and Rise, a mind, brain, and body lab, and the co-founder of CBAI, an artificial intelligence company that uses AI algorithms to analyze biometric and behavioral data to identify the most promising treatments. Through actionable neuroscience and the integration of affordable human-machine neurotechnology devices and software, Cody specializes in the regulation of mental and emotional health, self-esteem, anxiety and trauma education and healing to help others live a healthy lifestyle and edit beliefs and behaviors faster than ever before. Cody's mission is to identify and provide better ways to objectively measure, diagnose, and treat individual mental health conditions. What are your personal health philosophies surrounding mind, brain, and body? <laughs> That's awesome. So my uh, personal health philosophy around uh, the mind, brain, body is uh, there's two bottom up and top, top down is kind of the way I look at it. So bottom up is like your body to your brain, to your mind. So your body holds your brain, your brain holds your mind. And so um, physical health is a huge, a huge way to fertilize your body so that your your brain is sitting in healthy soil and then your brain is healthy, your mind is healthier. Um, and so the uh, methodology that I use is called hero's body when I work with people. Um, so something for your mind every day, sleep, um, nutrition, exercise, social connection, and play are the six areas I really like to focus on heavily and have healthy habits, patterns, routines, and all, and all of those areas. Um, and it's a really good way to keep your uh, physical health and your body where it needs to be. So your mental health can be, um, where it needs to be. Um, and then top down. Um, so going from my mind to my brain, to my body, um, understanding that there's multiple parts of me, um, and there's not just one part of me. So there are some parts of me that as a kid were, um, humiliated in front of a class because he was curious about something and asked a question. So it felt rejection and shame. So I've got to go talk to that part of me to be able to release and, and have a conversation with it and say, hey, buddy, it's all right. <laughs> uh, you don't need to make me feel this way today. I know you made a rule when I was young uh, to protect us, um, but I've got it now. Um, and I've, you've got to go in and almost reparent yourself a little bit. Um, and that's <laughs> the case for a lot of things. So whether it's anxiety that's trying to protect you or whether it's like your inner critic or people pleasing or being empath or addictions, drugs, alcohol, all these different types of things have a reason. And a younger part of us that um, was trying to protect us. So it's doing something to protect us. Um, and so going back to those parts and balancing them out, um, releasing them, having conversations with them, building relationships with them um, to become more whole um, was be like my the, the big piece top down. A lot of that's belief work. So living beliefs that you have and things like that that get in your way um, can really do a number <laughs> um, on you um, in your life. Um, if you always feel like you're too old or too young, you'll always be too old or too young, or if you always feel like you're not good enough, um, or worthy or pretty enough or smart enough or whatever it is, um, you'll always feel that way. Even if you go get surgery to get prettier or go get a PhD to get smarter, like 
won't matter. You you won't feel good enough or smart enough. So um, going and balancing out those parts is a big piece top down, I would suggest in relation to your mind, brain, and body. That makes sense. I love what you said too about the soil. I think that reminds us of an analogy sometimes, like if a fish is sick with dirty water, do you move the fish into a clean bowl or do you treat the fish with medicine? I think it's a lot about those environmental influences. Yeah, that's a great, 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 great point. Your body is in the environment, its environment. And so uh, that's a huge piece as well. So my social connection and play are big too. So I, that's great. It's a great analogy. So talk to us a little bit about some of your personal wellness non-negotiables. What does a typical day in the life of you look like? And what are some habits you've introduced to really cultivate this culture of wellness and also just how to dismantle these limiting beliefs along the way? Sure. So big, a big, huge, a big one for me is sleep. Um, I am a hardcore about sleep. My top two, like non-negotiables or something for my mind every day. So whether that's meditation, mindfulness, gratitude, like something for my mind, um, where I'm realizing that this is an experience and I'm not separate from the experience. I am the experience and like touching in with that, um, is huge as far as meditation or something for my mind. Um, and then sleep seven to eight hours, um, minimum. Um, I'm an entrepreneur that hustles hard, but, um, I can hustle a hundred times harder when I've slept well. Um, and my brain, um, will get dementia less often <laughs> if I'm sleeping well. And so those are some big non-negotiables for me. Some, some level of cold exposure I try to, I like to do, whether there's a cold shower, if I've got a cold plunge or, um, uh, even just splashing your face with cold water, like a, like multiple times, uh, can have some really, really huge effects. And so some type of cold exposure is a big piece. Cause that's just something I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to do this, but, uh, doing it, um, is good. I think. Um, and so I really like that exercise is a big one as well. Um, so, um, working out like whether it's, uh, like weight training, or like, uh, I play basketball, I played basketball in college. And I just can't give it up. <laughs> but I still play basketball now for cardio and different things like that. I love it. Um, and then nutrition is a big one. So I fast in the morning. That's a pretty big non-negotiable until like 1230 or one. Um, I'm a dude. So that's easier. My hormones are not nearly as, uh, insane, um, as women's. <laughs> so it, it, back and forth on whether with my clients, if I suggest they fast or not, uh, based on their hormones. So, but I have a neuroendocrinologist that we work with to help with that. All, so I just don't want to give sweeping advice and then some women start to do it, but because a lot of times some good protein and carbs in the morning for women, it's really, really good to regulate, um, emotion. So, but for me personally, I fast, um, and then, play is a big one too. Um, I, I work with a lot of adults that uh, forget that they're kids on the inside. Adults are just kids wearing a costume. Um, and so getting to be that kid, um, which could be randomly dancing or singing or coloring or playing a video game or uh, playing basketball is, is a play for me as well. So those would be some non-negotiables um, that I would uh, say for mental and emotional health. I love that quote, adults are just kids wearing a costume. That's great. I feel like as adults, a lot of times we forget we can have fun and we don't have to be so serious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Adults forget that. Um, and it's it sucks. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, when you forget that inner kid you, and you just abandon it, it's like, hey, what the hell? I want to have some fun. Yeah. So I agree. 
What does the role of AI look like within your field of work today? And if you could talk to us a little bit about your research and just like your journey to where you've got it and what you see looking it looking like in the future. For sure. So uh, today it looks like we're collecting a lot of data on people. <laughs> um, AI is a, is a loaded question or a loaded term current moment. Um, machine learning, AI, those types of things. Um, but what it looks like today is, like I mentioned, your mind, your brain, and your body are separate but inseparable. And so your body give, can give you some really good indications of what's going on in your brain, and your brain can give you some really good indications of probably what's going on in your mind. So if your brain is very inflamed, um, and I'm not talking like meningitis, encephalitis type stuff, I'm talking like low-grade, chronic stress type inflammation. Um, you can almost bet, almost always, <laughs> that there's some level of anxiety that you feel or depression. Depression, a lot of times, is anxiety extrapolated over time, and you just get to a hopeless place, and your life shrinks down. And so, um, but you can measure a lot of this stuff physiologically. And so, we use things like Whoop or like Apple Watch, or I've got all sorts of sensors on me to collect physiological biometric data um, on the people we work with, um, and then we also collect subjective data. Um, in the work that I do with them. So if I'm meeting with them one-on-one -on -one, or if I'm meeting with them, people in a group or things like that, we're, there's subjective things that we can collect from them. So how did you feel about X thing? Or um, do you believe you exercise today? Um, and so today, how we use some of that data um, is collecting it, <laughs> analyzing it, and then updating the uh, program that we work out with people. So people come to us a lot of the times after therapy hasn't worked or um, they've been in therapy and they're talking, 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 <laughs> but they want to um, do something about it. Uh, they don't just want to talk anymore. And so, um, or it's trauma related. It's a lot of, we do a lot of trauma as well. Talking more about trauma can be re-traumatizing. And so some of the talk therapy, um, it doesn't, is not always trauma informed. And so um, you got to be careful with some of that stuff. Um, and trauma is physiologically stored in our body as well. And so for example, we have a client that um, I was looking at her data and she was having these giant spikes in her heart rate. And what we realized is she was having micro panic attacks the entire day because she was getting triggered by the men she was around because she was um, in a unsafe position with men, to say the least, in the past, um, like sexual assault, sexual abuse, those types of things. Um, and so she would have micro panic attacks throughout the day, like heart rate going to like 120 or something, 130 for not that, not a, like a, a like a tiny woman, like not good. And so um, we're able to update what we were doing with her so that she could release um, some of the stuff that was triggering her um, and talk through those triggers more effectively with her data. Um, and then the other big thing, like I mentioned, beliefs are huge. Um, and so we do um, a research that we look a ton at is there was a study done with uh, cleaning, a cleaning staff at a hotel. Um, and um, they didn't believe what they did throughout the day was exercise. And so um, they did a study with them where they cut the cleaning crew in half and half they um, said, did change nothing, the control group or whatever. And then the other group, um, they said, hey, they put signs all over everything they were doing. Every time they went up a flight of stairs, here's how many calories you just burned. Like every time they lift a bed, here's the amount of weight you just burned, how many calories you burned with that. Like, and so they helped them understand that what they were doing was exercise. After um, 90, or sorry, after a month, um, they, uh, the group that, whose belief was shifted about the work they were doing lost on average 10 pounds, their body weight went, their body fat percentage went down, the HRV went down, their heart 
cholesterol got better, their heart rate got better, like every metric almost of health, physiological health got better and improved. The control group, nothing changed. <laughs> so their physical health stayed the same, but they were doing the same things. And so a lot of the times what we're doing with data is helping that, is shifting people's beliefs. Because when your mind doesn't label what you're doing as the thing you're doing and you don't believe it. So if you sit and you are uh, praying, right, uh, for uh, 20 minutes and you don't call that meditation, that's meditation. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's like meditation. You're just using a different word for it. Um, and so you don't get the same benefits, just like the this cleaning crew didn't, um, if you don't believe you did it. And so it's a lot of what we do with data today as well is help people see, hey, you, you put subjectively that you didn't exercise, but then you had a, your strain yesterday, your strain score is like an eight. What were you doing? Well, I was gardening. I was gardening. I was like, okay, well, that's exercise. And they're like, holy crap, no way. And then they start to get the benefits out of the exercise they are doing. Um, so that's a lot of what we're doing with data today. Um, there's algorithms and things like that that we run some of that data through to help us make it like sexier and actionable. But um, that's what we're doing today. And in the future, we'll be able to predict mental and emotional health. Um, so we're, we're finishing, we're, we're, we're aggregating tons of data um, on people, physiological data. We're soon going to be able to collect their social media data. Um, so just like Facebook collects your data and uses it to advertise to you, um, we'll be able to collect your data to help you understand, hey, you're about to have a depressive episode. Let's talk about that and help people predict or, hey, you're going to have a panic attack in the next five or 10 minutes. Let's talk about that um, and figure out what we could do. Um, to prevent that from happening, as opposed to having to solve the problem as it happens. And so um, that'll be, that's like a piece of the future of where we want to be able to get um, to where you can predictively know these things as opposed to having to react to them. Um, and then you can have a little buddy. <laughs> that's what we want to build, like a Jarvis or like a buddy, a companion that can help you uh, with these types of things that knows you, that knows, yeah, mom and dad got divorced. I stayed with my dad. You drank a little bit too much. Like, and that's part of your past. And it knows that about you. So it can walk you through some of the things that might be triggering you today and causing some of the stress, panic, anxiety, stuff like that. So that's today and the future. Does that make sense? That's awesome. Definitely. There's a lot, I think, for it to be harnessed into. Very inspiring, especially those preventative measures as well. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prevention is key from my perspective. So I work a lot with like the, the body first and then move up to the mind. I work a lot with people after emotionally abusive relationships or narcissistic abuse or um, uh, mental, physical abuse, that kind of stuff um, in relation to, which is trauma, <laughs> traumatic for almost everybody that experiences it. <laughs> so that's a big one. Then anxious to action is like my like go-to <laughs> helping people with that, uh, with anxiety is because uh, no matter what, when people get um, almost no, no matter what people get stuck after an emotional abusive relationship or a narcissistic relationship or things like that with, in like a trauma bond. I don't know if you know what a trauma bond is or, or things like that, but, um, there's some science behind, um, and there's a lot of biochemistry actually, <laughs> um, behind trauma bonds as well. So I don't know if any of those topics are interesting to uh, your viewership, but happy to chat about them. I mean, yeah, I think like anxiety would definitely be interesting to our viewers. Our demographics are between 20 and 30 right now. That's the majority of our viewers. I think reoccurring themes we see are like imposter syndrome, recovering, mm. people pleasers, but honestly, any area that you think would be applicable. For sure. So those are uh, 
strangely enough, almost the exact people I work with. But the, the, so as far as anxiety, people pleasing, all these types of things, again, um, a lot of the times what I see with anxiety, especially I had, um, I was working with a girl that uh, labeled her anxiety, that bitch. That's what she called it. Um, and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, holy crap. Um, that's a part of you that you, a young part of you that you're calling that. Like if you had a child or, or a brother or a young brother and sister that was acting up, would you call it that bitch? Probably not, right? But anxiety, people-pleasing, imposter syndrome, these things feel crappy. They don't feel good. Um, and so a lot of the times um, in relation to them, people label them like that or they want to get away from them. And so they do things like all any type of addiction you can think of to get away from these feelings um, and beliefs. And so that's the first step of um, when I'm working with somebody with anxiety, shifting their relationship with the anxiety and whether it's stemming from people pleasing or imposter syndrome or not feeling good enough or not feeling worthy enough, um, shifting the relationship you have with each of those parts. And remember that like there's the self, like the capital S self that's in the center of all this. And then all your little parts that broke off and have broken off that are younger versions of yourself. So that part of you that is anxious <laughs> in the past, it was very useful what it was doing. Um, maybe when you were seven, <laughs> something that you needed to run and get away from um, happened and it got trapped in that moment um, and uh, uh, is still stuck in that moment now. Um, and so, and it's a younger version of you, right? So imagine the self, literally you, the self, you're like the inner parent and you've got all these little parts and there's three types of parts specifically. Um, managers and firefighters, and those both are protectors. And then there's um, exiles. <laughs> exiles, dun, 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 right? Uh, so exiles are um, like anxiety, fear, horror, terror, um, shame, guilt, um, sexual and emotional abuse or assault, um, physical assault is a, is a big one, or exiled emotions, guilt and shame, those are huge ones. Uh, rage um, can be uh, an exile. So what happens in those moments is you lock your exile away behind a, uh, behind a, uh, uh, like it, it locked in a cage, um, literally. Well, I mean, mentally, literally, um, because they're powerful emotions, anxiety and, and fear, right? Which is what, what uh, anxiety is, right? Um, is uh, locked in this cage. Um, and so imagine just for a moment, again, going back, let's just imagine you have like a young brother or sister. Um, that's crying and throwing a tantrum. When was the last time you took that child that was crying, throwing a tantrum, threw it in a closet, closed the door and ran away and hope it would work? You don't do that. Um, and what happens? They get louder and they start to bang on the door and like, what the heck? Why are you doing that? And they're screaming and getting worse and worse and worse. That's a panic attack, right? So this exile that's inside of you is just like that child. It's rattling this cage, shaking it, and it takes over your body. It takes over your beliefs, your actions, your urges, your feelings, your thoughts. All of those things, uh, but it's trapped in that moment that it felt that terror. Um, and so because it's locked up and we don't want to feel that huge emotion, right? Um, and we want to push it down, but pushing down these emotions is like pushing out a beach ball underwater. <laughs> it eventually erupts back up, right? And so um, we create these protectors. So we have the exiles that's locked in the cage. And then we create protectors um, to say, hey, um, <laughs> We don't want to feel that. We don't want to deal with that. We're going to keep you locked away and we're going to create another barrier, another wall. And so these protectors get built like managers. So managers are the inner critic, the one that's 
continues to push you to succeed. Um, the uh, external critic, um, it can be depression, it can be somatic pain or uh, somatic uh, body pain um, in like your neck, your shoulders, behind your ears or behind your head, um, lower back pain, things like that. Um, it, and it stores it as pain, chronic pain in your body. Um, it could be people pleasers. People pleasers are huge managers. Um, imposters are huge managers. Um, and the manager's goal is um, to never again, right? That's the motto of the manager. Never again will I feel the shame that I felt. Never again will I feel that scared or horrified or terrified. Um, and so the manager, try, manager tries to control everything. A people pleaser is trying to control other people's perception of them because in the past, they probably felt like shit in relation to someone. They got judged. They felt shame. They felt rejection. They felt abandonment. Those are all exiles, right? And so that people-pleasing manager is trying to control people's emotion or people's uh, perspectives right now so that the self doesn't have to go feel that pain again. And so you build this protector. The inner critic, same thing. Um, you got uh, you lost in something. You got humiliated or um, you didn't achieve something you wanted, um, or you um, uh, didn't feel good enough in your family. Like your mom or dad pushed you so hard that you weren't succeeding and getting straight A's and going to the best colleges and getting on the best basketball or baseball teams or whatever. Um, you weren't doing good enough. And so that inner critic gets built to keep pushing you and keep going. And that's a manager as well. And so then those are that's one type of protector that, that guards the exiles. And then you've got firefighters. <laughs> so when Managers fall asleep and they get tired. So thinking like the end of the day, um, firefighters are things like binge eating, um, uh, any type of uh, addiction. So drugs, sex, alcohol. Um, there's um, and the, the 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 goal of the firefighters to react and distract. So it's very presently focused. Like okay, you're about to feel a bunch of rejection. So instead, we're gonna go binge eat or we're gonna go um, uh, get drunk or uh, uh, get high or whatever it is to get you away from it. Some other firefighters are um, self-harm, uh, suicidal thoughts. Those are protectors. And like those are some intense protectors, but they are protectors. And so the goal to what you got, what you have to do here is to balance the system. So you got your managers, your firefighters, your exiles, and then you're the self. And so what happened is that um, in these moments, these parts stop trusting you, the self. Um, because something outside of your control, if you get sexually assaulted, that's outside of your control. You can't control that, right? If you get um, emotionally abused by a parent, you can't control that when you're young. That's outside your control. But these parts don't know that. They just know, I need to protect the self. And so what you have to do now is go as the self, go show these parts love, compassion, curiosity, um, help them become calm and build a relationship with them. Um, so going to a protector, um, even if it is that inner critic and asking it, what, what do you want me to know? Like, where are you at inside of me? Where do I feel you in my body? What do you want me to know? How old do you think I am? Almost always these parts will think that you are five, six, seven, eight, nine, young. They'll think you're really young. Um, and you can update them. Like, Actually, I'm this old. And then see how they react. Right? And go as the self and talk to this part as if it is a young kid another per, another person almost and have that conversation with it. Um, so if it's anxiety, going and ask it, like, what's going on, right? I name, I name to tame, name it to tame it, right? Um, so a lot of these types of, especially intense exiles um, or protectors, I name. Um, so like my anxiety, per, for example, is named Mamba <laughs> after a roller coaster where, where I'm from because excitement and anxiety are like the same. And so when you're <laughs> on a roller coaster, your heart rate goes up and your palms are sweaty, and, but you're excited. 
when that's happening inside of a car before I go speak, that's anxiety, <laughs> but it's only I'm labeling it different. So naming these things is huge too. Um, and then going to have a conversation with them and build a relationship back with them and ask them like, what's going on? What do you need me to know? What's your biggest fear? What is your biggest fear? If you didn't do this role, you didn't give me these suicidal thoughts. What's your biggest fear? Well, I, you'd be, you'd be suffering. And then you, when you realize that the reason that this part of you is thinking of those things is that it wants to help you stop suffering. And it's like, holy shit. I, I see, I see that you're trying to protect me. Thank you so much. Right? And your perspective flips on uh, what this protector has been, whether it's been cheating or um, the addictions or whether it's the inner critic or the people pleaser, your perspective shifts from um, I hate this, that bitch like we talked about earlier. Um, I hate this part. I don't want to talk, get out of here, leave me alone, like push it down. It shifts from that to, holy crap, there's a part of me that was just wants what's best for me. I, I want to talk to this thing. I want to show some love and compassion and care um, and help it feel more connected and help build trust that I, the self, can handle this. Maybe back then when I was seven, I couldn't necessarily handle it now, but I'm 6'6", 220 now, bro. I got us. You're safe, right? And to go have that conversation with them um, is a huge piece of like healing, um, especially working with anxiety, uh, people pleasing. Uh, again, it's a behavior that was used to protect you in the past. Um, Got to go build that relationship. I will mention um, trying to talk to exiles <laughs> can be should be something that's done with a professional. Um, exiles um, can come are, are very 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 intense, oftentimes. So that should absolutely be done with um, a professional that can walk you through these types of conversations. Protectors, so managers and firefighters. Usually you can have a conversation with them um, and it's not going to be too bad. But if you go to talk to an exile um, and there's a protector, um, like for example, like a really intense one I had was a client last week that um, they had a death suicidal protector, firefighter. Um, and we were trying to talk to a different part of her um, ex an exile. And I didn't get permission from that um, suicidal firefighter who has been trying to protect her for at this point, 40 years, and has been doing that role for 40 years. And so when I went to talk to the exile, it was uh, not happy. And so she called me up, she's like, hey, part of me is telling me I have to kill myself. And I was like, okay, let's talk through this. Like, what's going on? And we had the conversation with that part of her. And it was trying to prevent her from making a mistake and from suffering again. And once we understood it, validated and listened to it, and we understood like, hey, if you didn't have to do this protector role anymore, I hear you. I understand you. Thank you so much. She showed us some appreciation for it, trying to prevent her from suffering. What would you rather do instead if we were able to heal this um, so that you didn't have to do this protector role anymore? And that part of her that wanted to kill her now said, well, I want to color, right? Because it's a kid and it wanted to color and be creative. And so um, we were able to have that conversation and shift that and, and deregulate her. But that's because I didn't get permission from an exile. Uh, from, I was talking to an exile without permission from the protector. So those types of things can pop up if you're trying to talk to exiles. So be very careful. Don't do that without a professional, please. <laughs> um, like huge disclaimer. Uh, protectors, usually you can have a conversation with like anxiety, people pleasing, imposter syndrome. You can talk to those parts of you because they're protectors. Um, um, and they'll, it, that's usually a fine conversation to have on your own. So any questions or thoughts on that? That was a lot. <laughs> I think you included some great measurable actions to facilitate a conversation with these protectors and start to dismantle these beliefs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love the labeling on the analogy too, like the exile and the protector. I've never heard that before. So that's super interesting. I think the way you explained it is really applicable for all of our listeners. That was great.
Heck yeah. Cool. I mean, the biggest thing is being having an awareness of them and starting to build a relationship with them. Even if you don't know what to say and you can't get to someone like myself or someone who's trained in IFS, internal family systems is what that's called. Um, it's having an awareness that I have many parts. This part of me that's acting up right now wants to protect me. I need to talk to it and understand it, validate it and not show it love, care, compassion, curiosity, come to it curious. Like, what do you, what's going on here? Why do you feel the need to people please? Like, wait, tell me, help me understand that. Um, or why do you feel like an imposter or things like that? And build that relationship. That's a huge piece and just a huge awareness piece um, that even if you don't have someone you can go to literally, you can start to be aware of your own parts. And the other thing, <laughs> once you build awareness of yourself, guess what? Both of you guys have parts too. Ireland has parts, Lydia has parts, Cody has parts. Now I can be like, oh crap. That person just cut me off in traffic or they're raging out on me right now. That's a part of them that was damaged when they were younger. And now you can start to show other people, other people's parts, compassion, curiosity, love, as crazy as it sounds. Um, and so it's a great emotional intelligence tool for yourself. <laughs> you could do your own work first before you start labeling, oh, it's an exile that just popped up there. Screw you. Like, no, right? <laughs> like, show compassion and love towards it. So it's a great tool for self-awareness and then um, external awareness as well. I also want to say thank you for making so many of your resources accessible. I think it's amazing that you use your platform to make it almost like an open education resource, if you will, because there's a lot of people mm -hmm. who might not be able to access that otherwise. What are the best places to find more of your work and check more out of what you're doing? Yeah, so our social medias, um, Instagram and TikTok are where we post a ton. Um, Mind Brain Body Lab is the name of it. Um, and then our um, uh, website is rewriteandrise.com. Um, so that's a huge thing. We work a lot with anxiety. And so rewrite and rise is really like rewrite. So a lot of people, I kind of joke, uh, <laughs> fear is F everything and run when they get to us. Um, and then when people leave and, and work with us, fear is face everything and rise. Um, and so rewriteandrise.com is where you can get a ton of information about us as well. Um, but if you're looking for like free educational stuff, TikTok, Instagram, uh, YouTube shorts, we're posting there a lot as well at Mind Brain Body Lab. So that's the easiest place. Or you could email me even if you want, Cody at rewriteandrise.com if it's a more personal thing or DM me on any of those things I talk. I get to, I get to almost all my DMs, which is a challenge at times, but I, I, I manage it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for meeting with us today. This was so informative and we can't wait to share everything with our listeners. Yeah, Hell thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, thank you guys for doing what you're doing. I'm pumped up to, uh, to listen back and listen to some of you guys' other episodes. Yeah.